Don is going to come and MC us again, and Rick Jones and Maybank are going to uh, field some questions, and then we're going to open it up to you. And we don't have a video today, so we're going to have about five more minutes for your questions today. So with that said, thank you again for being here. And Don, if y'all want to come on up now and, and get us started. Say one more, one more thing. On your table are some green and yellow cards, and these are for you to take with you if you like. Um, but these are the scriptures that are biblical principles for what we'll be talking about today, and I think Don is going to read some of that uh, to you to, as a, sort of a, 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 an introduction to what he's going to be uh, asking. Okay, well, thank you for being here, and, and um, we're fortunate to have Rick and Maybank back. Both of them have given their testimonies, as you remember, and Maybank, you've been on another panel. You and Beezer were on one, I think, weren't you? And so we Good to have Rick in one. Uh, these guys both are people who have thought a lot about uh, the issues that, that we're going to talk about and, and run businesses, so they, they work with the application of them. And so the, the first question I'm going to ask them and get them to address is um, how can profits, or if you want to put it another way, wealth, and, and we were talking before this, um, if you think about it, I, you know, I, I don't, by wealth, I don't necessarily mean great wealth. I mean just um, more than one needs to get along. And the world we live in in the United States, um, my guess is that, that everybody in the room, if compared to most of the people in the world, would fall into that category. But, but what are the temptations that are caused by um, ending up with more than, than you need, and, and in their cases, running enterprises? And those cards are on your tables, but I'd like to read uh, one, maybe two, of the verses to kind of set up uh, what, what they'll be talking about. The first one is Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast, dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He, um, brought, you, he brought you out water out of a hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. And you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. So with that, um, I'll start with Maybank. Maybank, if you would talk for a few minutes about, um, in, as you see it and from your perspective, what are the temptations that are caused by the, a situation like that? Thank you, Don. Can, can you hear me okay? Well, first of all, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to have to be very honest today and make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's. I've got my father here. Sure. <laughs> I've got my older brother. and. And I'm really excited. I've got about six or seven guys that I work with oh, on a day-to-day -day basis, and even two from our key supplier. So it's great, <laughs> great to have everybody here. Today. 
No place to hide. No right? place to hide. Uh, if, any, if anybody hears Maybank starting to get into the BS mode, just raise your hands. Any of those people? <laughs> don't worry. That'll happen. That'll happen. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want to give a little background. Uh, my perspective on this comes from, just quickly from a career standpoint, I started in commercial lending. So, I mean, that's out selling somebody else's money. And uh, have spent the last 27 years in a family business that I've been blessed to be a part of and fourth generation. So, I mean, it was all, um, the foundations of it were all before um, I showed up. So it's, it's a different kind of perspective in that. And uh, being on a board of a, of a public um, business here in South Carolina, Scanner Corp, and the fiduciary responsibility that comes from that. So that's my personal experience, but you know, everything I want to say to you today really comes from a blessing that happened almost 25 years ago here at St. Phillips, where Elizabeth and I were one year married. We just moved back to Charleston, and uh, there were a group of St. Philippians, and really it was happening all over Charleston, but there was a group that decided to get involved in Crown Ministry. And I think a number of you have heard of Crown Ministry, but it's a it's a 12-week study um, couples where you um, learn what Christ in the scripture has to say about managing resources. And uh, you may not know this, but um, Christ had over 2,300 um, references to managing money. It's a, it's a topic that you spent more time on than anything else. And I think given your first question, I think there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, I think that the foundation to this topic starts with stewardship. And uh, frankly, stewardship is a really misunderstood concept, I believe, in today's world. I think if we're all honest, stewardship is something that happens every fall when a bunch of people in the church and a few ministers stand up and tell us why we need to give them money. But God's stewardship starts with uh, Psalm 24, verse 1 which is, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So God's concept of stewardship is none of this that we're talking about today and none of this stuff is ours. It's his. And we as a steward, the original definition of that is we're just a manager. We're a manager of somebody else's resources. And um, I think that's something that um, frankly is a very difficult thing in today's culture for us to really get our head around that it's a lordship issue not an ownership issue and uh, so I'd like to sort of have that as the background as far as you know temptation I mean I think we all know what the temptations are um, they start with the comparison trap you know, no matter who you are and where you are and what you got, there's always somebody that's got more. And Don, you were right to point out there's always many that have less. So I think whatever temptations any of us have had on that front, it, it starts with that comparison trap. Um, <clears throat> personally, Liz and I, going back to Crown Ministry, we, uh, we made a commitment to tithe um, very early in our marriage. And it, stay committed to that and um, I only bring that up because 
Um, looking back on it over 25 years, it's been an absolute spiritual blessing. And not the way you might think. I mean, we've had success and we've had failures and we've had more blessings than we would ever imagine when we started on that, on that run. But I think on the temptation front, a tithe um, is a protection. Um, it's a protection from, frankly, <coughs> discretionary in, uh, income. And so when, when we've tied, we really don't have those resources to be thinking about the toys or thinking about the things that, um, you know, if I wanted to dream about, and, and certainly I have. Um, but the resources just aren't there. So I, look, I actually look at that as, as a real question. I think I remember the story that um, in ancient Rome, when the conqueror would come into Rome and the thousands would be gathered cheering him, he had a slave standing over his left shoulder that whispered into his ear, remember, you're, you're just a man, you're just a man. Um, I think we get caught up in thinking we do things, our own individual egos are the one thing we have to fight more than anything else. I was just very blessed. I, I tell everybody, I, I was raised a good Southern Baptist, but I married a better Methodist. And, uh, and, uh, and there's probably a lot of truth to that. But, but Charlotte and I, my wife Charlotte and I, we both came from families of, of A, churchgoers, and B, tithers. I mean, you know, my dad was a federal investigator. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I followed my father in the fact that I have no idea where our money goes. I have not written a check in 32 years of marriage. I have no idea. I make the donuts, Charlotte spends, you know. <laughs> and that's the truth. Well, my dad was a federal investigator and he traveled all the time, all the time. And so my mom handled all the books. And here's what I knew about my mother. The paycheck came from the government at the first of the month and the first check she wrote was to the church. It was the first check. It wasn't the second check. It wasn't after the groceries or after the taxes or after the new shoes for the boys or whatever. It was the first check. And I think the scripture talks about the first fruits. Not the second, not the fourth, the first. You know, and it's interesting if you think about the miracle, the first miracle in the Gospels of changing the water to wine, the shock was that everybody drank all the wine and then Christ changes the water to wine and that wine's better than all the other wine, and everybody didn't notice. Well, how come they didn't serve the good wine first? Why are they serving it? Well, that's not the way God works. God wants our best and our first. And I think that's a, a critical element. When I spoke last time, I talked about that I really believe the only reason for business is to feed sheep. The last commandment of Christ, after he's been resurrected, he's on the beach, he looks out there, and the disciples are fishing. You know, Peter, I love Peter. Peter said, yeah, this, is, this has been a bad week. <laughs> I'm going fishing. <laughs> right? That's what he does. I'm going fishing. He goes fishing, and then he sees someone on the beach, and he doesn't know who he is, but he gestures him to be there, and it's, it's our Lord. And what is Christ doing on the beach? He's grilling fish. He's serving them. And what is his last commandment? Feed my sheep. 
Not feed yourself. Not do things for you. Do things for others. That's the commandment. And I think if you focus on that, um, then you stay away from some of the temptations that are there. I, I'll say one more thing. I have a, a business partner in Nashville named Ron Cook, whose father was a Church of Christ minister. And he was the dean of men at uh, David Lipscomb University in, uh, in um, <clears throat> Nashville forever. In fact, his father, had, his father is 96 years old, had hip surgery, broke his hip yesterday, and has come home today. I, I, when I'm 96, I break my hip, I go home the next day. That's pretty good. That's a good day. Um, but Ron got me doing this thing a few years ago called thinking and thinking. <clears throat> and so every morning when I get up, the first thing I do, I have a journal next to my bed. The very first thing I do is I write down everything I'm thankful for from the previous day. I write it down. What am I thankful for? I got 12 crabs out of my crab trap last night. I was very happy <laughs> about 12 crabs in my crab trap yesterday. My son has an opportunity in Los Angeles with a music producer. I'm thankful for that. I write down what I'm thankful for. And then I'm very intentional about my thinking, and those are my requests to God for the day. I'm intentional. This is what I need help with today. When you start your day that way, I think it can humble you and will keep the temptations, I think, away. John, one, one um, way I looked at that question as well is from a business standpoint. And, uh, you know, a number of us are, have the opportunity to be in our own business. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of times the biggest issue there is accountability, particularly if you run in your own business. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm personally a very strong believer that. Um, if you have the opportunity to be in your own business, you've got to set up systems of accountability. And, um, you know, that's what a board of directors is for. That's what governance is for. Um, that is what a customer advisory group is for. Um, that is what having a relationship with those that you work with that they can absolutely tell you what they think and not what they, what you, um, what they think you want to hear. And um, so, and I think clearly stating what are the values of your business and what are you about. All of those <coughs> constructs are places that will keep you, if you happen to have some success, from the temptation of just thinking, well, this is all mine, I can do whatever I want with it. Right. That, that, that's great. And, and just one little anecdote about how being in a position of leadership can... Um, can cause you to think a lot more of yourself than, than you really ought to. Uh, it's personal. I, you know, when I spoke, I mentioned that I, I had a company in, uh, in the IT world, and I sold it, and, and then I stayed on for three years um, under a contract and ran it for three years. But at two years and six months, I named my successor. And, and I noticed, and I, it, this was something I hadn't even realized about myself, but I noticed the day that we had a meeting and, and I said who was going to be running the company starting in six months, all of a sudden, that afternoon, my jokes were not funnier than his jokes anymore. <laughs> For, and, and, and this is the honest-to-goodness truth. Prior to that, nobody laughed at his jokes, and all of mine were funny. Uh, and, and, and that one, like a ten-minute meeting, all of his jokes became funny and mine were And it made me realize how, that my ego had... had that I didn't even realize, you know, but, uh, you know, you, you, people, um, people are smart, 
<laughs> they, they know where their bread's buttered, and, and so they'll butter you up if, if they think you need it. And then I want to give some context to Rick's remarks about why he liked um, Peter, because after a bad week he went fishing. The name of Rick's company is Fish Bait Marketing, <laughs> and that tells you a lot about what his hobbies are. Uh, but the next thing we want to talk about, and um, you guys kind of keep an eye on the clock there, are the, the responsibilities um, with excess, excess resources. If we've talked about a little bit about temptations, then what are the responsibilities uh, for you to do with, um, with excess resources? And got two short verses. One is 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can, he love, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And then um, Deuteronomy 26, 12 and 13, uh, getting back to the classic version of what people think about with stewardship. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, then the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you have commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor I have forgotten any of them. So, um, Rick, if you would start with responsibilities. Well, I want to... Another uh, verse that you have written here, Matthew 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'll paraphrase it for today's time. Uh, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your priorities. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I had read several months ago where Ted Cruz, who had really wrapped himself in evangelicals, had, had released his tax returns. And they were from 2006 to 2012, and during that period he gave no money to church and no money to charity. None. And his comment was, well, I was trying to build a nest egg for my family. <laughs> what do you think the rest of us chumps are doing? I mean, we're trying to do the same thing. Um, and so, I mean, so again, you know, you can lie to yourself, but you're not going to lie to God. That's a great story that I, that I, Mark McCormick founded the industry I'm in which is sports marketing. Mark McCormick's first three clients were Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, and Jack Nicklaus. And he built a great company, but he, he represented a golfer named Doug Sanders at one time. And, and, and for you old guys, you may remember Doug Sanders, a very colorful guy, wore you know, color-coordinated clothes and shoes and all that. One actually won 21 tournaments on the PGA Tour. Well, well Mark's deal with Doug was he got 10% of Doug's earnings on the golf course and off the golf course. Well, one day Mark's sitting in his office in Cleveland, Ohio, and he's opening his mail, and he, he sees a handwritten envelope from the Thunderbird Motel in El Paso, Texas. And he turns it over, and on the back of it, it's scribbled Sanders. And he opens it up, and there's $400 in cash. No, no. So he calls Doug, and he goes, Doug, did you send me $400? And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did this golf outing out in El Paso. You guys didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't know anything about it, but they paid me $4,000. That, that's your 10%. Now, that's honor, right? That's honor. Now, Mark would have never known, but I got a terrible thing to tell you. 
God knew. God knew. So we can fool ourselves and say, well, I couldn't do this or I didn't do that. Or, and God knows. God knows all the time. Again, the purpose of business is to feed sheep. It's to feed sheep. That's what profits are for. It's to give part of that back. Back to your church, back to your community, back to your family, back to society. I'll say this about business too. It pains me sometimes, but it's morally the right thing to do. I pay every invoice the day it comes to my office. Because I deal with a lot of other small businesses, and guess what? Cash flow is critical to them. Right now, i got a whole bunch of money owed to me by the NCAA and by several other people that they, you know, they'll pay me in 200 days when they get around to it. But the guy that does my website, that's not his fault. <laughs> he, he, he needs this, you know, $294 this month. And so I think, again, business is not just what we're giving to charity or what we're giving to the church, but how do we conduct ourselves and how do we help other businesses survive and other people? And, and, and I think that's a critical part. I, I don't think you can differentiate between the, the, the morality in your personal life and the morality in your business life. So real quickly, I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think you're right on point. And, um, you know, but there is a, from a business standpoint, there's a responsibility for profits. And uh, someone said to me one time, the profits are the cost of staying in business. I mean, if you don't make a profit over a long period of time, you're not going to stay in business. And, uh, and so that's really critical. And uh, I think any of you that were in industries that got hit in this last downturn, um, you know, that, was critical, that was a critical component for who survived it, was those that had been profitable and reinvesting their business. So that's a reality. But on top of that, you know, from Luke 1248, Christ says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I, and I think that's a, that sums it up, in my opinion, right there. Um, a little further in Luke, it says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So I, mean, I think it comes right back to that responsibility is around, first and foremost, recognizing none of it's ours anyway. And so how are we going to manage his resources? Um, I remember my dad told me, years ago, he said, son, do you know how much money John D. Rockefeller left behind when he died? I said, no, Dad, how much was it? He said, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. now, I, I know a couple of Baptist buddies that want to put the money in the casket, but uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not sure that it's going to do them any good. Okay, we'll open it up for uh, some questions. Uh, anybody out there got something they'd like to ask one of these two about or, or, or a comment? No. Peter? When you guys talk about uh, how much to leave to your children, when do you tell them about it, when do you tell them about it, and how else did you dispose of your assets when you die? Well, I'm still waiting for my dad to tell me, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was a complete joke. Um, <laughs> it just got to be less than it was going to yeah, be. Right. Exactly, exactly. Do you want to try that one first? Well, I mean, a couple of things. One, I got grandchildren now, 
and I got two little grandboys, and one of the things that I did was I went out and bought another significant whole life insurance policy that said, if something happens to me, they're going to get a college education. Not that I don't trust my son-in-law or my daughter, but I don't trust my son-in-law or my daughter. So, you know, what did what, what, what Ronald Reagan say? Trust, but verify. Uh, I've verified with the insurance company. Um, so I, I want to make sure that that happens. Um, I, I think as a baby boomer, one of the things I'm, I'm concerned about with my children's generation is that we gave them everything except what made us successful, which was work ethic and, and, work, and, and work value and some of those types of things. I mean, y'all, yesterday, Bernie Sanders got 83% of the under 30 vote in the state of Indiana. I, I, that's frightening. But, so there is this sense of trying to f prevent entitlement. At the same time, I, I want my children to have a good life. Uh, my father-in-law has set up a timber business uh, that is going to cash flow a lot of pine straw revenue and a lot of timber revenue over the years. My wife and I have pretty much set that aside for our son and said that if, if you don't make it, you're going to have that. You, you, you won't be on the street. You'll at least be able to eat. But at the same time, I, I do want to give back to other things. I don't want it just to go to my children. Um, and so that's, that's the balance that we all look for. I, I, think it, I think the sense of entitlement is the most critical piece of this. And whether that starts um, with how you treat them when they're teenagers and how you treat them when they get their driver's license and how you treat them from an allowance standpoint when they're in college. I mean, I really do believe that it's our responsibility um, to do the best of our ability to try to keep uh, from our kids having a sense of entitlement. Um, so I think that absolutely goes towards the longer term thinking. And, uh, you know, I mean, if Warren Buffett can say he's only going to leave to his children enough where they are comfortable and the rest is going elsewhere, then, you know, I think all of us have an opportunity to think hard about that. No, but you're, you're in the family business in a lot of ways, and at some point I think you want to leave enough to grow that. Right. I mean, you know, you know I mean, that, there's a part of that that says, can we continue to build, because as we build, we employ more people, we feed more sheep, we're able to donate more money, and so I, I think it's always a balance. But you, 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 you know, you talk about entitlement. There's a great story where the, the guy owned a business and his son came to work for him, and, and his son was a jerk. I mean, he just was bad, and everybody knew it. And so one day he called him in and he said, as, as your boss, you're fired. You're, you're miserable, you're mean to everybody, you're everything, you're fired. Now I'm going to be your dad. Son, I understand you lost your job today. Is there anything I can do to help you? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so maybe sometimes we all need to do that a little bit with our children. So. Yeah, I, I do think that there's something to be said for what, what you just mentioned, and that is that um, if in a, in a business situation, if that can be a vehicle uh, to continue on, because we've discussed before in, in these that, that 
business when it's done right is a blessing to the community around it and to the world around it. It's not, it's not, a, it, it's not a punishment. I mean, it, it's a blessing. So if you can, can keep that going, and if with your kids, if they're going to be the ones that, to continue it, um, if, if by the, hopefully by the time you're gone, you'll sense that what, what they're about and what their values are. Uh, and if, if they're good, then that business can continue on being a blessing to the world. And um, uh, so, I, I mean, I, to me, that, that's a very valid thing to do. Um, as long as you have a pretty good sense of, of who your kids are and, and what their values are. Um, I, I know I, um, when I had two sons, and, and I told my wife before, either before the oldest one and the youngest one went to college, I wanted to make sure in their college years they lived in poverty. Um, I think that's real important. And, and so they had to work and, and earn a lot of their money, all their spending money and everything. And I made sure that they lived in terrible, they didn't have enough money to live in a nice place or by themselves. One of them lived in a trailer park that when we visited, I mean, I, I argued with my wife all the way home about, you know, we got to move him. We, I said, no, no, this is good. He's really learning why he needs to work and make money. And, and uh, the other one, she just never went to see where he lived. Uh, but, but I really do think that if you can get your kids to live really hand to mouth for a few years, that, that, that'll do a lot for that. I, that doesn't exactly address your question, but I can't think it kind of does. Uh, might have time for one more question? Uh, we don't, okay. Okay, the boss has said no. Thank you all very much. I, I'm sorry, I, I'd like to go on for another half hour, but I wanna let y'all get back to work so you can earn money and be good stewards. Um, but I want to wrap up with just a couple of thoughts here. Uh, first of all, um, as you go out, um, Charles Waring has delivered uh, uh, the compass, the, the Carolina compass, uh, and there's a, a stack of them out there on the table if you want to pick one up. Charles, thank you so much for this ministry. Y'all pray for these guys. Pray for Charles. Pray for the Mercury Pray for this ministry. This ministry is going all up and down the coast of South Carolina, and your articles that he asked you to write are in there that are stories like what we've been hearing uh, here today. So thank you so much for doing that. And, and that was something that was prayed about and prayed about and prayed about, and finally it came to be a reality. So thanks be to God for that. Um, I, I just want to go back to two things as we wrap up. Um, first, these are recorded. So if you want to go back and hear what was said and review this and, and hear the questions again, um, I don't see Florence back there, but if you'll contact, there she is. Florence records these. So um, we'll, okay, they're, all, they're on our website. So you can go to the St. Philip's website and you can get the recording from there. That's the easiest way to do it. So just do that. Um, they were talking about how we conduct ourselves. And so the, the way you do that is going to, to have an impact on the people that you're conducting yourselves t toward. But it's also going to have an impact on the people who see you, who work with you, who see you doing it. That if you do your work and you live your life with that kind of integrity, other people are going to see that. And somebody who may not 
have taken the right step is going to go, you know what? He was able to do that, and and it it felt so good to see him do that. I'm going to do the same thing. And that kind of impact, that kind of influence is, is what happens when you live your life with this kind of integrity. And the other thing that was said was God knows. God always knows. He is always aware of what we're thinking and doing. And I want to say this, not from a punitive standpoint, because that is there, but it's more, think about a father whose heart is for you, whose heart is so much for you that he would go to hell, die and go to hell to get us back, to get us back. And that, that you're breaking the heart of that kind of father when you say, you know, I think I'll let it slide this time. And, and your dad, your heavenly father knows that. So those are the two thoughts I wanted to just leave you with as we go out today. And again, to say to all of you, thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for praying for us. And I'd like to pray now as we leave, okay? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, We've, we've heard from two guys today, three guys today, who have done things really well. And, and if, if the rest of the folks are sitting here like me, they're thinking, man, I wish I could have done it that well. I didn't do it that well. I made a lot of mistakes. And, Lord, the fact of the matter is you know that, and you still love us. You know our weaknesses, and you still love us, and you come alongside us. And say, let me help you with that. Don't be afraid. Let me help you. I'll, I'll show you the right way. I'll put you with somebody, whatever. So, Lord, as we go out today, where we need to be strengthened, help us to seek it out. Help us to say, I'm going to go get some, some help and some guidance and some counsel. Help us to pray to you and say, Lord, show me how to get that help that I need. And, Lord, where we've been successful, let us simply turn to you and say, Oh, Lord, thank you so much. It, 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 it could not happen if it weren't for your grace in my life. So as we leave today, Lord, go with us, uh, fill us with your spirit, and make us uh, the kind of people who will show this community and the world how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen.